Hey, good morning, folks. Pastor here. I hope you've enjoyed our service up to this point. I know that I have, and uh, I'm just so thankful for all that the Lord is doing in our community, uh, through our church, and uh, our church is you, and so I want to thank you personally for how you are uh, helping our community, being so faithful in many different areas. Uh, I hope that you've gathered your family around, you've got uh, your Bible, let's open it up to Matthew chapter 25, grab uh, maybe a drink if you'd like, get some uh, coffee, and uh, let's open up the Word of God, and this morning I'm going to speak to you on the Great Divide, the Great Divide. Matthew chapter 25, as we continue our series here in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, 31 through 46. Let's take a look in our Bibles and see what the Word of God has to say. The Bible reads this way, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory, and before Him shall be gathered all nations, and He shall separate them one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats, and He shall set the sheep on His right hand, and the goats on, his left, on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was in hunger, hungered, and ye gave me meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me in. Naked, and ye clothed me. I was sick, and ye visited me. I was in prison, and ye came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord... When saw, we when, uh, when, uh, when saw we thee, and hungered, and fed thee, or thirsty, and gave thee drink? When saw we thee, a stranger, and took thee in, or naked, and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee, sick, or in prison, and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them, on the left hand, depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was a hungered, and ye gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and ye gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and ye took me not in. Naked, and ye clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and ye visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee, and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to look into your word. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be able to follow you uh, to be able to be more like Christ and be able to take these Bible principles that will conform us to your image. I pray, Lord, that you would be with those who may not know you this morning. I ask, Lord, that you would uh, use your word to be able to convict their hearts. I pray that you would draw them unto yourself. And for the Christian, I pray that, uh, once again, we would be more like your dear son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us through technology to be able to meet and share your word, the good news of Jesus Christ. We love you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Have you ever thought about the one thing that unites all people of all times? You know, there is. There is one thing that unites all people of all times. And that is that we are all part of the human race. There are over 7 billion people in the world. And we are all united because we're humans. Though in one way we are all united, there are many things that separate us. Think about it. Education can separate us. Sometimes family structure can separate us. Finances can separate us. Skin color can separate us. Here's a big one. Political affiliation can separate us. And I'm not saying that these things should separate us. I'm just saying that they can, and in some instances, they do separate us. But there is one thing in this world that is able to separate or unite us. But it totally depends upon your decision. There is one thing that can separate or unite all of us, but that depends upon your personal decision. See, friend, your faith in Christ will separate you from others. And Christ is speaking about here in his second coming how he will separate some from others because not everybody makes the right decision. I want you to take a look at how Christ will separate. The first thing here in this passage we find in verses 31 through 33. Christ will separate you according to your nature. The disciples of Christ had just asked Jesus uh, uh, a little while uh, back here in the scriptures, when will you return? And Jesus is letting them know about his second coming. He states here, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory. He says, I'm coming in my glory, I'm coming with my angels, and I'm coming to sit upon the throne of my glory in verse 31. But I want to take a, a note of something. How do we know that this is actually Jesus? I want you to take a look in your Bibles to John chapter 5, if you would, in verse 22. John chapter 5 and verse 22. See, because we have to remember, he's sitting upon his throne in judgment. In John chapter 5 and verse 22, the Bible says, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. And so the second coming here, there's this judgment, and Jesus is sitting on his throne to judge. Jesus here is in the position uh, as the universal judge over all the nations. And though Jesus has uh, uh, gathered all the nations to be judged, he's not going to judge them corporately. He's going to judge all the nations as individuals. So each and every person is going to be judged. There's not going to be a group judgment, but it's going to be of individuals that make up these nations. I want to make sure that you understand, those of you who know the scriptures uh, maybe a little bit better than others, and you're different, uh, different people are uh, um, growing in their knowledge because there's a, uh, a walk that we're all going through, and we're, we're moving in our journey with Christ. But I, I don't want you to confuse this judgment with the great white throne judgment that's revealed in uh, Revelation chapter 20, verses uh, 11 through 15 because the great white throne judgment 
takes place after the thousand-year reign of Christ. This is before the thousand-year reign of Christ. Okay, it's after the tribulation. Jesus comes back a second time. After this judgment is the thousand-year reign of Christ, and then the great white throne judgment. So this judgment takes place before the kingdom is established on earth. Have you ever thought about our society? There have been many judgments. There's been many judgments that have been handed down. Some have been good. Some have been not so good. We've heard about people who have been um, convicted of crimes that they did not commit. And then eventually, uh, they've been overturned. And there, though they were handed down at one time and said, okay, you're going to be in jail for life or whatever the case may be, somebody else has stepped in and said, wait a second. I'm going to overturn this. And that happens sometimes. And, and if somebody is innocent, we hope for uh, justice to prevail. We, we do. But there have been some judgments that have been given that have stood the test of time, and rightfully so. But though in our society sometimes judgments get overturned, this judgment that Jesus is giving, the separation of, of people by their nature that Jesus is handing down, it's unlike any other judgment because this judgment is permanent. There's no overturning the judgment of Christ. He is the universal and final judge of all. And this judgment has to do with those who are right with God and those who are not right with God. And let me stress to you, friend, this judgment is irreversible. This judgment is eternal. You know, when I was thinking and studying this passage of Scripture, I thought about this. Say your employer came to you and said, I'm going to give you an evaluation in two months' time over all the work that you do in those two months. And what you do in those next two months will determine your salary for the next three years. There's not going to be any negotiating after it. Your increase will totally depend upon the quality of your work over that two-month period. What do you think you would do? I know what I would do. I would do the best possible work I could. I'd make sure that, man, I'd follow all the procedures that the company has set forth. I would do everything that I could to be able to get the maximum increase that I could because when the evaluation comes, I know there's not going to be any negotiation. What's handed down from the big boss man, you know, it's going to stick. I would be on time. I mean, I would make sure that it's exactly the way the boss man wanted it. You know what's very interesting? Is that people would do everything possible to help ensure their physical well-being. But very few people do anything about ensuring their spiritual well-being. See, Jesus is going to judge according to your nature. In verse 31, it says, When the Son of Man shall come in his, in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, as a, sheep divided, as a shepherd divided the sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Jesus mentions sheep and goats here. And though they have similarities, there's also differences. Their differences is their nature. 
And Jesus is comparing these people that he's going to separate according to sheep and goats. See, you might ask, well, who are these people that are going to be separated? They were the ones who were not taken in the rapture. These are the unredeemed people who were left during the tribulation. In Revelation chapter 7, the Bible says that there will be 144,000 Jews that will preach the gospel. Not only will there be 144,000 Jews during the tribulation time that will preach the gospel, but in Revelation chapter 11, the Bible says that there will also be two witnesses that will proclaim the message of Christ. And during the tribulation, that seven-year period, after the rapture of the church, the seven-year period, there will be an innumerable amount of people that will be saved. You might be saying here this morning, hey, well, I'll wait until, the, uh, until I, I know that the second coming of Christ is, is happening, and then I will get saved. My friend, it, it'll be too late then. See, Jesus has already spoken about the, those who wanted to go into the marriage celebration, but were not able because they were not prepared before the bridegroom came. See, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. You're not going to toy around with God. You're, you're not going to play around with God. God has set an agenda. And you're given the opportunity right now to become, if you will, a sheep. The principle is that there is a distinctive nature of those who believe in Christ as their personal Savior which separates you from others who don't believe in Christ. There is a distinct nature for those who believe in Christ that separates you and I from those who do not believe in Christ. See, your faith in Christ is a distinction that shows that you're separate from others. But number two, not only will Christ separate you according to your nature, but Christ will separate you according to your service. And we see this in verses 34 through 46. Just like a shepherd will separate the sheep from the goats, Jesus at his second coming will separate believers from unbelievers. Now I want you to understand something. Jesus is not teaching salvation by works. You say, how do you know that, pastor? Because look at verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on my right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father. Come, ye blessed of my father. This is the emphasis of the source of their salvation. He's saying, you're entering the kingdom because you've been blessed of the father. You say, well, pastor, I, I want that blessing. I want God to bless me. H how does that blessing come about? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. This blessing is available to all, but you have to accept the blessing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. See, this blessing is available to all. You've got to realize, friend, just like I had to realize, and all those who have accepted Christ that has a new nature, we've got a new nature now, we had to realize that we were sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned. That means everybody. That means the most religious person that you might high, hold in the highest regard. All of us have sinned. And we've all come short of God's glory. We've all missed the mark. 
We can't get into heaven by our own goodness, by our own righteousness. The Bible plainly teaches us that. And by the way, how much good is good enough? And who sets the standard for good? See, Jesus set the standard for good. And you know what he said? What would be good enough? That if you keep the whole law perfectly, and nobody's able to do that. The Bible says if we've offended at one point, we're guilty of all. So if you've ever lied or thought a mean thought towards somebody or had wrong motives or, you know, maybe been a little bit shady, you've broken the whole law. See, we know that this blessing, that these people are not getting in by their works because they've been blessed by the Father. But another reason why we know that this passage is not talking about salvation by works, but it's by grace and faith, is the word inherit. See, the way you inherit something is because you've been born into the family. This implies that they belong to the family of God. Then Jesus goes on to state about their service who are truly born into the family and who are not. Take a look at verses 35 and 36. For I was unhungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. What Jesus is saying is that you demonstrated that you're mine. Because it's your objective. You want to meet those needs. See, friend, the specific application of this is during that time of tribulation... You'll know those who are Christ's and who are not. Because those who are believers in Christ will meet the needs, it says, of his brethren. See, the Bible teaches us about who are Christ's brethren. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, the Bible says, For both he that sanctifieth and they who are sanctified are all of one. For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the church will I sing praise unto thee. See, the brethren are the redeemed people who meet the needs of fellow Christians. But the point for us today is that those who knew Christ, well, those who know Christ will have the same heart to meet the needs of those who are in need. I want you to take, some, uh, take a look at verse 37, if you would, and verse 40, because there's something very important. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, and fed thee or thirsty, and gave thee drink? Now take a look at verse 40. And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as ye have done it, as ye have done it unto one of the least of, me, uh, of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. It says the righteous answer him. And then in verse 40, it says, The king answers and says unto them. See, it's the righteous who are answering or asking the king, and the king is answering the righteous. This is the saved. This passage did not say the good doers, the good deed people. The passage didn't say the social activist, the kind people, the generous people, the caring people. The gracious people. No, this passage says it was the righteous people. These are the ones who have accepted Christ. The righteous are known by a working faith. James chapter 2 and verse 17 says, Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. In verse 26 it goes on to say in the book of James, For as the body 
Without the Spirit is dead. So faith without works is dead also. See, Jesus Christ, this great divide, He's not only going to separate us according to our nature, but also according to our service, because our service shows our heart. The heart of a follower of Christ is serving and doing good for other Christians. It's helping, it's caring, it's giving. The heart of a Christian is one that is giving. You're concerned for the needs of your brother or sister in Christ. Guess what? You're concerned for the older generation. Hey, I'm so glad that our country is concerned for the older generation that they're saying, look, you're more susceptible, susceptible to this disease. I'm glad that they're concerned for those with underlying conditions. And they are good things. They are good works of service. But that does not make our country a Christian or our leaders a Christian. I'm glad also that our country's concerned for the younger. And we ought to be concerned for the younger. But that doesn't make a person a Christian. See, the heart of a Christian is one that is giving, but a heart of a Christian is one that is humble. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 37 and 39, they said, When saw we a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we sick or in prison and came unto thee? See, they had a humble heart. Those who don't know Christ cannot minister to Christ by helping out fellow believers. See, those who don't know Christ in this passage, the goats, the ones that said, when did we do this? They never showed their love for God because there was never a life change revealed. There was never a new nature. See, the things that they did do was not with the proper motive. It was not with a heart for God. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 41, the Bible says, Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Jesus, the righteous judge, the eternal judge, the ultimate judge, says this separation will be eternal and final. But I also want you to see, say, man, that's hard. No, no, it's not. I want you to see something that, that Jesus is emphasizing here, even his grace in this final judgment. Let, take a look at verse 41. Then shall I say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. See, friend, hell was never prepared for you. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Jesus Christ doesn't want you to go to hell. He wants you to have a new nature. He wants you to know him as your personal savior. Just like you, that employee, would prepare for your financial future the best way that you could with that illustration I gave a few minutes ago, will you prepare for your eternal future? Will you ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and to put your faith in Him? See, friends, though faith in Christ has the potential to separate you from others, faith in Christ can also unite you with others because faith in Christ is for all. See, we're not only created to be united to all other people through the human race, we were created to be united 
through faith in Christ. See, our unity in being humans will end one day. We are no longer, in some sense, united with the human race when we die. But when you are united to faith, uh, when you are united through faith to Christ, that never dies. That union is forever. You don't have to worry about being on the wrong side of the divide. Have you been united to Christ in faith? If you have, what are you doing for someone else? How are you helping a fellow believer in need? See, friend, this morning, your faith in Christ will separate you from others because of your nature and because of your service. This morning, would you make that vital decision to accept Christ as your personal Savior? And if you know Christ as your personal Savior, how are you actively meeting the needs of other believers? This is especially crucial during this time. You can be showing your nature through your service. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we have had to be able to look into your word this morning. And I pray, Father, for those who do not know you, that they would come to know you. Lord, I ask that you would touch their hearts this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would help them to relinquish their self-sufficiency, their self-righteousness, and they would humble themselves before you and trust you as their personal Savior. I pray for the fellow believer this morning that they would exemplify their new nature by serving one another. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Friend, if you accepted Christ as your personal Savior this morning, I'd like you to fill out our electronic connection card. And if you do that, I will send you a Bible and a book in the mail. Send you a Bible so you can start reading through the Word of God. I challenge you, start in the Gospel of John. And then we'll send you a book just to be able to help you on your spiritual journey. I pray that this has been an encouragement and a help to you today. And I'd ask that if you've got some kiddos around you, stay tuned because we've got our Kids Quest coming up. I know it'll be an encouragement to them as well. I'd like to challenge you this evening to uh, uh, visit with me at 5 p.m. on my Facebook Live page as we dive just a little bit deeper into this passage of Scripture. It'll be about 20, to, uh, 20 minutes, maybe to a half an hour, where we can dive a little bit deeper. Again, George Riddell on Facebook, and uh, we'll take a look at this passage uh, in a different light, ask some questions, and get some feedback from you. God bless you, and welcome to our Kids Quest. Thanks for joining us on today's broadcast. We hope it was an encouragement to you. Be sure to reach out to someone this week. Send an encouraging text or a voicemail to stay connected. If you'd like to give today, you can do so on openbiblenj.org. To get encouraged throughout your week, check out our podcast of past messages on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you on the next broadcast.